This week I've been thinking about my friends Jen and Mark. Uh, I got to, Jen and I went to high school together, and uh, she now lives in the Cayman Islands. And I got the opportunity to visit them uh, last spring, and I spent a week, and they were gracious enough to uh, let me stay in their home. And it was a beautiful home, not a very large home, uh, but it was very, very nice. Um, the one thing about the house, it had really crummy Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi was terrible. They had their Wi-Fi, they had their Wi-Fi um, antenna in their living room, and um, I, I stayed in, in a back bedroom, which was, it's, I say back bedroom, but it was only a few paces away. And yet, I just, I couldn't, even, I couldn't even check my email on my phone in the back bedroom. I had to come into the living room and, and check email there because the house wasn't designed for Wi-Fi. It was designed to withstand hurricanes. It was built, it's built out of concrete. It's, it, I mean, it's, a, it's a built to be a bunker. And you need a bunker when you are just a few yards away from a spectacular, beautiful Caribbean ocean. And I was thinking about that. And I can't help but also think about my friends in Texas and my friends in Florida and what Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He's just got done teaching um, this magnum opus of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. And uh, many of us are... I hope, really familiar with what he says so that I don't even need to reference it. You already know what I'm talking about, right? Jesus wraps up this incredible teaching and he says, anyone who listens to these words of mine, anybody who pays attention to what I've just said and then does it, he says, will be like a person who built their house on a rock. And the winds will come, Jesus says. And the rain will blow, and the river will rise. He didn't add, and the storm surge will, will come in, but it, he could have, right? It's not maybe, Jesus says. It's not if on the off chance it might happen. It's going to. It's going to happen. And when it happens, we want our lives to be built upon that rock. And we're all, at that moment, when the wind comes, we're actually not going to be that hung up about whether or not we get good Wi-Fi. Can I get an amen? Thank you. It is a supreme joy to me when I have the opportunity to share something from the Apostle Paul, like our letter in 1 Corinthians, and if I'm talking to somebody who has no referencing to this whatsoever, they might ask me a question like, oh, this section here in in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 This is related to when Paul heard Jesus preach on the Sermon on the Mount about being on the rock, right? And the answer is no. That's what's really cool is Paul wasn't there. He wasn't sitting on the side of the hill with the other disciples. Paul came to faith in Jesus Christ through a whole different conversation, a whole different revelation. Jesus, Peter never met Jesus in his pre-resurrected form. He met him post-resurrection on the road to Damascus. And so you can bet that when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and we hear Paul talk about being the architect whose job is to help orchestrate and, and organize the church of Jesus Christ, and he says, but, he's, but the, the foundation, the whole point of it is that it's built on Jesus, you know that Paul had heard from, from Peter and from Mark and from others. They had heard 
firsthand and, and immediate secondhand what Jesus had taught. You know that Paul has this in mind, what Jesus taught at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, when he is urging, challenging, exhorting, and in every way he knows how to loving the church in Corinth into greater unity and in greater purposefulness. So let's hear now what Paul wants to say to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 10, and this, um, because it has more gender-inclusive language, I've chosen to use the NRSV this morning uh, for, for what we're seeing up on the screen. And Paul says, According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Each builder must choose how, with care how to build on it. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has already been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each builder will become visible for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If what has been built on the foundation survives, the builder will receive a reward. If the work is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. The builder will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. This is the word of the Lord. Let's say thanks be to God. So many things I'd like to be able to say this morning. But the word that jumps out to me as I look at this text is the word test. Yes, we've been talking about hurricanes uh, and water being the test, but in, in Paul's image, he's talking about fire. Fire burns, burns off everything that isn't going to last, burns off everything that isn't, isn't of, uh, of quality materials, right? So he's, he's pointing out that whoever comes behind him, he's proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. This is all about Jesus, he says. It's all about the living Christ who is now dwelling in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's all about that. And anybody who comes behind me and continues to add to that, great, he says. No problem. I'm thrilled. Because everybody's work is going to be tested. There are times in our lives when each of us as a person, and certainly as a church, we must go through times of testing. A time of pastoral transition, like the one we are in now, the one we are beginning, is always a time of testing for a congregation. Whatever the old pastor built upon, whatever was part of that foundation of Jesus Christ, that's going to remain when the pastor is gone. But whatever wasn't built by that, on that foundation, it's going to go away in pretty short order. It just fades off into the distance. And that recognition is something that each church leader carries with them into the work. It's what we, what I carry with me out of the work. 
I have to ask myself on a regular basis, what is it that I'm doing for the health of this congregation that's actually upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, and it's not built upon anything else? Not on my ego, not on their preferences, not on uh, the fad of the day, not on um, whatever political uh, energy is happening in, in, in the moment, but what is it that's built on Jesus Christ that I have to trust is going to last and everything else is going to fade. And it feels right to me that what Paul offers to us this morning in, in this image of being an architect and, and each person being a, a worker is valuable for us because one of the things that you as a church are going to need to do is get clear about what your expectations of church leaders are. What do you expect from the next person or or people who are going to lead your church in the future? What are the unconscious expectations that a church brings to this process that the next leader will have to bear whether she or he realizes or not? Paul's chief concern at the beginning of this letter is to address the divisions that have occurred in the church on the basis of what we might call spiritual elitism. Each little faction is starting to kind of position themselves in such a way as to say, we're the better group. We're the more truthful. We're the faithful group. We're the right group. They're saying things like those who would say, we're loyal to Paul, who's the founder. If he founded it, he's the person who knows best what's needed for the church. And then others would say, well, no, we're with Apollos because we're the ones, we came in later, and he's the guy who we really connected with. And frankly, he's a way better preacher than Paul was, right? And then others were saying, well, wait a minute, Paul just came to us and told us what Peter had told him. So we're really lining up with Peter, even though we've never met him, we're pretty sure he's the real deal. And even there are some who identify and say, well, wait, we're the, with the Messiah. Isn't this the whole thing about the Messiah? And I just wanted to say parenthetically, I think it's interesting that Paul doesn't actually say the Messiahists are right. He could say that, right? He'd say, look, I'm a Messiahist too. I just told you, the whole foundation's on Jesus Christ. So this group is right. No, no group is right. If you're, if you're breaking up into groups, stop it. Amen. Okay, good. Finally, something we're getting some more, okay? Nine years into this, and you guys are like, okay, what I remember the guy said was, if you're breaking into groups, stop it. Okay. So he's highly anxious about this reality, that people do what people always do. They got, if there's an us, they look around and go, there's got to be a them, The best way to maintain a sense of us is always most easily accomplished by finding a them. I don't know about who we really are, but I know we're not them. I I know we've got some problems over here, but at least we're better than them. That's just how we're built. And what Paul says is, if that's how we typically organize ourselves, now you know how incredibly radical it is that Jesus Christ The God-man has come into the world to, once and for all, end all the us's and the them's. That's the whole point. That's why Jesus came into the world, manifesting the fullness of God's love to end all the divisions between us and, and God and us and one another, us and the creation, us and everything else. It all belongs. It's all being brought together into Christ. 
And here you guys are arguing about who's a Paulist and who's an Apolloist. What in the world, he says. This spiritual elitism that's based on comparing and approving of one leader over another used to be limited to my denomination is better than your denomination. Or my preacher is better than your preacher. But now, in the internet age, thanks to Wi-Fi, we have videos, blogs, podcasts, and books of plenty. We get to hear the best preaching from all over the world. We have all the greatest teachers and Christian leaders that anybody could possibly want, and then some. The whole thing has gone global. And what we tend to believe is that spiritual leaders are, by definition, the people who are on stage. They are the people who are in the spotlight. They are the people who are being watched and listened to by everyone. But I'm going to want to mention something parenthetically. Do you know the one person, minus Jesus, who has been written about more than any other person in human history? More books have been written about, by this, about this person than anybody else, save maybe Jesus. Who? Mary, a uh, good, uh, good guess, but not, not Mary, no. And not Abraham Lincoln. Francis of Assisi. More, books have been, more biographies have been written by, about Francis of Assisi than anybody else. And what was Francis of Assisi's biggest goal in life? To not have any attention. He, he founded a community based on poverty, about going down, not going up. He left his life of wealth and status in the uppers with the, 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 the majores, the majors in Assisi, and he went down to live with the minores of Assisi, the poor people. He wanted no part of it, and he founded a community based on that, and people were so drawn to that, so attracted to it, that not only did they form whole communities around it, but that, that vision that he had of drawing close to Jesus Christ and only having Jesus and nothing else continues to captivate imaginations even to this very day. And it would, make a, it would make Francis nuts to find out that people built cathedrals in his name. He was very close to the heart of Paul, who says, it's not about being in the spotlight. It's not about how gifted a speaker you are, how charismatic you are. Paul says, I am, Apollos is, and Peter was, and we all are only workers. That's what you should expect your next leader to be, a worker. A construction worker. Like a person who puts in your electric, electricity. A person who hangs your drywall. A person who installs your plumbing. Just a worker, Paul says. I'm just a worker. And the quality of my work will be seen after I'm gone. And if you know anything about construction, you know this, don't you? That nobody thinks about the construction worker until something breaks. I, I had a, I, 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 I was um, trying to fix 
a uh, towel rod in my house, and I shifted it over a little bit, and I screwed it in, and pop, oops, I hit a, I hit a wire. So I immediately, you know, immediately called, um, so many of you know Richard Davis, a good friend here. He's a contractor guy. I said, hey, Richard, can you come and take a, take a look at this? He came and took a look at it, and he opened up the, the electric box, the, 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 uh, um, the switch near, near where I had made this mistake, and I, he said something I've never heard a, construct, a person working in construction ever do. I've, really, it was the first time. He opened it up, and he said, oh, wow, whoever built this did really nice work. They never say that. They always say, oh my gosh, it's a good thing you called me the last person who did this. They were crazy. Oh, I, I never would have done it this way. This is shoddy. No, he, he, gave, he complimented it. He said, yeah, this is, whoever did this was really good, did good work. You just made a mistake by putting a screw into it. <laughs> and that's what Paul's trying to say. He's like, hey, set the foundation. I'm just a worker. And if, if ever the people come, what he, what he wants to know is that the next person who comes, if Apollos comes behind him and says, that person did good work, to the extent that that person did it according to code, made it safe, made it durable, did, it, did the right thing, that's what he means when he says, we only have one job. We leaders are, only have one job. We're just workers, and the one job we have is what? To build on, to, to invest, or to build, the gospel into people so that they can be a powerful, durable, eternal expression of God's love. Building this so it lasts. That's the one job workers have. And the workers really don't want the credit. Aren't really interested in legacy beyond that. They just want to know that. Now, I do need to give you a little bit of a warning here because I can tell you with absolute confidence that I am not, my work performance is not judged solely on whether or not I build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Okay? Please look at me as though you understand and get that that is true. I have not worked here the last nine years only being asked, so, hey, did you build on the foundation of Jesus Christ? No, it just didn't. And, and that experience reminds me of uh, the, a very short stint in construction that I worked. Mostly I swept. Um, <laughs> but, I, but there were other guys, uh, there were other contractors who, you know, that I worked with, and I remember them telling this one particular story. There was this one custom-built house that they would build, and, that they were building, and it took a really long time to build this custom house. And the reason it took a, a long time was because every day the man, the hus- there was a husband and a wife who wanted this house built. So the husband would show up in the morning, and he'd do his inspections and walk around and talk around. Well, what about this? What about that? Oh, can we do this instead? Blah, 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 like that. And in the afternoon, his wife would come. And she would start kind of going, what about this? What about that? Can't we change this? And all that. So finally, the workers, as soon as the husband would drive up, they just leave. They'd go on their break. 
And then he'd walk around and, and take the foreman and, you know, talk about stuff because they knew whatever they were going to do was probably going to have to get undone because of that. And then the wife would come and do the same thing. And the, and the couple couldn't figure out why the house was taking so long to get finished. I will let you figure out how that story connects to the work of being a pastor in a modern church. I'll let you work that out for yourselves. Okay? I'm just here to talk about the next person. And that person, you want to do one job. And whether I did a good job of it or not is not relevant. What I did and what I'd failed to do, that all gets seen in the test. I know I'll get tested. I'll, I'll take responsibility for my testing. But the next person has one job, and that is to invest the gospel into you so that you can be the most powerful expression, the most enduring expression of God's love possible. And that is the measure of success. If we do that one job well, then Jesus Christ gets glorified. We are building on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. We are built with the one singular purpose, and that is to continue the mission of Jesus Christ in the world. It's not sustain hurricane force winds and have good Wi-Fi. It's just to be able to, do the, to face the hurricanes and to be the place of refuge when the hurricanes come for all those people who need a place of refuge. Amen? So when Paul says that the whole point is to build on the foundation that is Jesus Christ... I want to give that a definition, and I want to say the definition of that is to enable people to become all that God intends them to be, for the church to be all that God intends it to be. That's what it means to build on a foundation of Jesus Christ, that this church would be everything that God intends for it to be. That's what you want the next leader to do, amen? And so the real question is, is that greater or lesser than what you, sitting in the pew right now, want? Is, it, is, what, is the idea that this church would be everything God intends it to be, is it more or less than what you want for it? And I'm going to suggest that the answer is no. And yes. No, being the church that God intends for you to be is not all you want it to be. It is is much less glamorous and much less self-important and much less powerful, much less influential than our egos want it to be, than we want to imagine it to be. No, God doesn't intend for us to be so, so great and so grand that we can draw attention to ourselves. He's just not interested in that. Our egos, we, we have this longing for self-importance that, that is just not in keeping. That's not on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the stuff that gets built on the sand, right? That's what happens, and the wind comes, and the rains come, and that all gets blown away. No, it's less than that. But it is also, the answer is also yes. God absolutely does intend for this church to be infinitely more than we could even hope for for ourselves. 
Here's what Paul says about all these divisions in the church. He says, has the Messiah been chopped up into little pieces so that each of you could have a relic of your own? Of course not, he says. All of Christ has been given to all of us. So Paul is going to say at the end of chapter 3, therefore, I don't want to hear any of you bragging about yourself or anyone else. Everything is already yours as a gift. Paul, Apollos, Peter, the world, life, death, the present, the future, all of it is yours. And you are privileged to be in union with Christ, who is in union with God. This is the whole point, isn't it? To experience the privilege, the gift of being in union with Christ in order to be in union with God. In other words, to be fully at home, safe and secure with God and to be the home of God where the Holy Spirit dwells. Isn't that the whole point? So last week's prayer I urge you to pray was, Lord Jesus, help me to see this situation the way you want to see it. Remember that? Asking God, Jesus, to give us eyes to see the situation, to see our lives the way he intends for us to see it. And here's the prayer I want us to pray this morning. Holy Spirit, build this church the way God wants it built. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, build this church the way you want it built. Make this place fully the temple you intend for it to be. May we, each a worker in our own way, who are called to lead in these ways, may we have our, our intention fully fixed upon building only on you, Lord Jesus. And may you, Lord Jesus, be fully glorified in all we do so that we can manifest your love in the world and to be the place of refuge, the place of home when the storms come. Enable that by the power of your spirit, we pray. And all God's people said, amen.